Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. This is Saturday, May 19th, 2018, and welcome to episode number 106 of the WWUS Radio Network's <clears throat> weekly review show. This is WCWS Power Hour. Once again, this is Mr. WCWS Chad Hinshaw on the line here with you, and today, ladies and gentlemen, I will be flying a little bit solo as I <clears throat> did receive word that the Iceman here, Dijerama, will not be able to make it on here this evening, so I will be handling it alone here, folks. So this may, this may be a very quick edition of Power Hour today. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> be bringing you today here in wrestling history, plus also a rundown of all that took place during all of our shows here in the radio network this past week, and also a few little wrestling news tidbits here, courtesy of our friends at 411mania.com. If you have or anyone would like to come on and uh, join me for some their, their thoughts and opinions on everything that we are that we discussed today on episode 106 of Power Hour please feel free to give us a call, 1-724-444-7444, call ID 141-364-POUND, and press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we discuss here this this afternoon, this evening. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and get things started with our wrestling uh, history and birthdays here for today, May the 19th, and we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today here in wrestling history. Let's go ahead and get right down to it. 22 years ago today, 1996, in New York City, Shawn Michaels defeated Diesel in a steel cage match to retain the WWF title. Also on the undercard, the Godwins, Henry and Phineas, defeated the Body Donna, Skip and Zip to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. Also in his first Madison Square Garden match since 1991, the Ultimate Warrior defeated Owen Hart. None of this, however, was the story of the day. Following the conclusion of the main event, Michaels, Razor Ramon, Diesel, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley all shared in a group hug. What is the problem? <clears throat> you're probably you're probably asking. Well, back in 1996, Michaels and Razor, of course, his real name is Scott Hall, were faces, while Diesel, his real name is Kevin Nash, and Helmsley, of course, his real name Paul Lebeck, were heels. Uh, by the way, the four of them happened to be friends in real life presenting perhaps the most blatant breach of KFAB in the history of, of wrestling, that, of course, being the curtain call. Dave Shearer's account of the incident as it appeared in Wrestling Lariat Newsletter in 1996. In a shocking moment, one that I will never thought I would ever see from either of the big two promotions, four wrestlers willfully broke KFAB in one of the most touching moments in wrestling history on Sunday, May 19th at Madison Square Garden and what was the farewell appearances of both Razor Ramon and Diesel. After an awesome cage match in which Shawn Michaels beat Diesel to retain the WWF title, Michaels went back into the cage and stood and danced over the prone Diesel. He then bent over and kissed him. Razor Ramon came out and hugged Michaels. And now came Hunter Hearst Helmsley, making the click sign. He hugged both guys. Diesel then awakened, quotation marks, and stood up. Four of the five members of the clique went, then went to the corners of the top of the cage and extended the clique sign to, to the fans, most of whom ate it up completely. 
We were told that the guys did this on their own and that Vincent Mann did not endorse it. In fact, we were told he was dead set against them doing it. But obviously he did not stop it, and I think it was the right move. Throughout the night, the fans in the building knew that both men were leaving as they heard alternate chants of please don't go and you sold out, with Diesel hearing much more of the latter. Of course, Lord only knows why. A precursor to what was to come, to what was to come came earlier in the night. After Ramon's match, most of the crowd was chatting, chatting you sold out to him, so he rubbed his fingers together in a money gesture. He took the mic and said, all I have to say is goodbye to the bad guy. Midway through, the company cut the mic off. They could not stop what happened at the end of the show, as the friendship of four men was more important to them than breaking KFAB. Given the professionalism that both men showed on their way out of the promotion, and also the classic way that the company did not bury them upon leaving, it was one of those times in this business that makes it all of us make all of us proud to be wrestling fans. In addition, I think all sides handled the situation the right way. No bridges were burned on either side. And if WCW handles the departing wrestlers the way they did the last time they had them, they could come back to Titan. There are some who would be aghast by the breaking of KFAP, but personally I have no problem with it. They, very few, if any, people believe, believe, in quotation marks, that the business is anything but a work, and those who have got to see this event will never, ever forget it. So how did we get here? Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, and I will, and I will go into more detail. <sighs> Excuse me. So how did we get here? In 1994, through many miles and, and many matches together, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Shawn Waltman, also known as the 123 Kid, who is not actually who was actually not with the WWF at the time, he was in drug rehab. In fact, Waltman's final WWF match as the 123Kid aired the next night on Raw, formed a friendship. They would be joined early the next year by Paul Levesque and would serve as their designated driver as he was the only one in the group that didn't do drugs or alcohol. The group became a backstage alliance known as The Click, where the name originates changes on who's telling the story. One version says that Lex Luger came up with the name, while another says it was David Boyd Smith. As their popularity grew, so did their booking influence. For example, Michaels and Nash briefly held all three WWF championships simultaneously as, as of course, two dudes with attitude. Diesel as the WWF champion, Michaels as the IC champion, and two as the tag team champions together. Hall had high-profile feuds with Waltman, Michaels, and Nash, the foursome were often in the WWF's most high-profile matches and feuds, while the bulk of the roster fought for scraps. The two people notably negatively affected by the Click's influence were Carl Lewitt and Troy Martin Lewitt, who went by Jean-Pierre Lafitte at the time. He was booked to beat Diesel, but Michaels vetoed it. In response, Lewitt refused to be pinned by Diesel. Their match went to a double countout for Lewitt. Lewitt's refusal to lay down, he was repeatedly booked to lose in lower card bouts until he quit the company in early 1996. Michaels later admitted in his autobiography that the clique purposely buried Lewitt. Troy Martin, who was in the WWF as Dean Douglas in 1995, and of course that would be also Shane Douglas, was to have a somewhat modest run as the Intercontinental Champion. But the clique, specifically Michaels, put the kibosh on that, saying Douglas shouldn't be champion. Douglas got the title via forfeit, only to lose at the race of Ramon just 11 minutes later. Martin threatened to sue the WWF unless he was granted an outright release to return to ECW, a release, a release he would get in December of 1995. In a span of two weeks, in around 1996, both Scott Hall and Kevin Nash both gave their notice of intent to leave the WWF for WCW. Hall signed in late February, Nash in early March. Hall's decision to bail cost him a WrestleMania 12 payday as he was suspended from the company for failing a prior drug test. Nash remained on the card with a high-profile match with The Undertaker, though both wanted to remain in the company, but thought of guaranteeing money for fewer dates was too good to pass up, especially, especially for Nash, who's at, whose wife at the time was pregnant. At the time, WWF contracts were structured as such, 10 matches a year at $150 each was all that was guaranteed, and anyone that won, wanted out had to give 90 days' notice or their contract would be automatically rolled over. WCW changed the math in the mid-1990s, offering full guaranteed contracts 
something unheard of in the wrestling business at the time. While Nash still probably was still probably featuring on WWF programming, Hall was for all intents and purposes on the bench for the remainder of his time with the company. For both, their final television appearance came at In Your House 7, Good Friends, Better Enemies. Hall as Razor Ramon was defeated by Vader, while Nash as Diesel lost in the show's main event, which was a WWF championship match against Shawn Michaels. After working house shows in Baltimore and Philadelphia, their finale came in Madison Square Garden. I look back as reported in the May 27, 1996 issue of Wrestling Observer Newsletter. And here it is. The final appearances of Diesel and Razor Ramon in the WWF came in a strange curtain call finale of the click before the first indoor non-pay-per-view house in WWF history to top $300,000 on May the 19th in Madison Square Garden. The Garden's second straight sellout, the first time that's happened in 11 years, of 18,800 fans, 16,564 paying $319,411 saw what many were saying was the best Master Square Garden house show since WrestleMania 10. The big news on the show was supposed to be the tag team title change where the Godwin brothers, and of course their real names, Mark Canterbury and Dennis Knight, won the belts from the Body Donnas, whose real name was Chris Candido and Tom Pritchard. That happened with Phineas, recovered from being kissed by Sonny to score the pin on zip with the swap drop. While that happened and resulted in the Godwins defending the tag team titles in the free-for-all match, the May 26th pay-per-view show from Florence, South Carolina against the Smoking Guns. It was hardly the main topic of conversation regarding the show. Eventually, the belts are supposed to wind up going to Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith. Both Diesel and Ramon in their final appearances before starting with WCW mid-June were the recipient of chants of You Sold Out and Please Don't Go by a decent percentage of the crowd that seemed to know it was their final show. Ramon was booed in his match with Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who replaced Goldust, who missed another weekend because his knee hadn't recovered well enough for him to work. And Heavenly Boo was a loud, you sold out chant after he did the job. After the match, he grabbed the house mic, and before he could get more than a few words out, panicked WWF officials, since this wasn't a part of the show, cut off the power. As it was, all Ramon ended up saying was something to the effect of telling people to say goodbye to the bad guy. However, it wasn't over for the bad guy just yet. After a very strong main event cage match where Shawn Michaels beat Diesel to keep the WWF title, it was time for the current call. Michaels had won the match by walking out of the cage after laying Diesel out with a super kick. After the match, Michaels kissed Diesel, who revived like the frog kissed by the princess, and the two hugged in the ring. Diesel got a lot more cheers during the match than most would have figured, although Michaels was still the most popular wrestler on the show. Ramon and fellow Click member Helmsley then came out to the ring, and the four got on all four posts and gave Click signals to the fans, some of whom were teary-eyed and saying it was one of the best moments of wrestling at Madison Square Garden in years. Supposedly, this final display was not approved by WWF officials, but it got over great with the audience. So little will probably result from it. However, there, are, there were other wrestlers who were very unhappy at what they considered a KFAD violation, particularly since Helmsley was in the ring hugging Ramon and Diesel, I just finished a match with Michaels and magically get a roast in the finishing move by being kissed. The other clip member, the 123 Kid, wasn't at the show as his future with the company is somewhat in question after he showed up at the Superstars taping on April 30th in no condition to perform and won't be back until June at the earliest. As it turned out, after WWF wrestlers and officials got in the ear of Vince McMahon, he initially okayed the send-off. He wasn't happy about the curtain call, curtain call either. After all, this was a blatant breach of KFAB. The idea that everything, everything that happened on a wrestling program was real and said issues between wrestlers in the ring extended beyond the confines of the squared circle. If two rivals were seen associated with one another in public, it could kill a storyline in a matter of seconds. Of course, remember the incident with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik in 1987. As it also turned out, two fans in attendance, Mani Mahati and Jason Cott, Cosmes, if I mispronounced that, recorded the whole thing via a camcorder that got in the building. Footage of the incident, both in picture and video form, went viral as it spread online and into wrestling magazines, making the incident even more widely known. Such a brazen that need to be punished, thought many wrestlers and officials. Not only did these four expose the business, they did it, masses, they did it in Madison Square Garden, the WWF's home away from home. But who could Vince punish? Not Scott Hall or Kevin Nash, they were leaving. 
not Shawn Michaels. Not only was he the WWF champion, he was one of the few true stars left in a company devoid of them. Not Shawn Waltman, he was in rehab. In the end, it was Paul Levesque, also known as Hunter Hearst Hemsley, that fell on the sword. The domino effect was massive. Plans of him winning the 96 King, the ring tournament, and the monster push was scrapped for the next few months. Levesque was put in preliminary bouts and demeaning feuds. That 96 King, the ring title, and push went to another ex-WCW employee, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin's win soon propelled him to a high-profile feud with Bret Hart, and by 1998 was not only the WWF champion, but he was the face of the company's new direction, the Attitude Era. For what it's worth, Levesque took his punishment in stride. It earned him respect among his peers, especially those that didn't like him for his association with the clique. In October, he would win the Intercontinental title, and the next year he would win the King of the Ring tournament. He would soon join Shawn Michaels in one of the WWF's most meta storylines, The Generation X. In 1999, Paul would win his first role would be 14 world championships, and Mary also, I also marry Stephanie McMahon. Today, LeVec is the executive vice president of talent, live events, and creative, as well as the creator of NXT, WWE's developmental property. Shawn Michaels was fallout favor with many fans and was cheered for when he was defeated for the WWF title in November 1996. The most 97 for Michaels included regaining the WWF title before controversially vacating it, getting suspended for getting into a fight with Bret Hart, costing him his half of the tag titles, and being involved in the infamous Montreal screw job. Also in early 1998, Shawn suffered a back injury that virtually put a halt to his career. He would return four years later, Though he would win just one one world title over the next seven and a half years, Sean retired in 2010 as one of the most celebrated performers in wrestling history. Hall Nash didn't do too bad either. The two debuted for WCW two weeks apart in the spring of 96 as invaders from the WWF. The Outsiders, as they would be known, would join Hulk Hogan in July and form one of the most influential and dominant factions in wrestling history, the NWO. Paul and Nash would become one of the most successful tag teams in WCW history, winning the tag team titles six, t- six times together from 96 to 99. They would do quite well in singles as well. Hall would win the United States and World TV titles, but never the world title. <clears throat> Hall would also win the 60-man World War III Battle Royal in 97. Nash would win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship five times and win the 60-man World War III Battle Royal in 1998. Three of the four men involved in the current call would be inducted into the Hall of Fame, Michaels in 2011, Hall in 2014, and Nash in 2015. In August 2015, the foursome met the two fans who recorded the event for the first time. And folks, that seems to be, like I said, uh, that seems to be the most infamous moment of them all in, in wrestling history here. So, uh, but we do have another, we do have another big time moment here as well to talk about here. <clears throat> and it is a, is a well known, is an infamous uh, wrestling birthday today. And uh, you'll definitely get a kick out of this. Actually, actually, the, the moment about the curtain call was actually the second part of the, of the story here, but we have the remainder of the wrestling. We do have more in terms of wrestling history here, but my apologies about that. I did not realize that, okay? 113 years ago today, which would put it at, let me see, I do believe 1905, in New York City, Tom Jenkins defeated Frank Gotch 2-1 to one in a best-of-three falls match to retain the American Heavyweight Championship. Bout held at Madison Square Garden lasted two hours and fifteen minutes, or about as long as, as three as 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 a three-hour episode of Monday Night Raw without the commercials. The first fall won by Jenkins lasted just under eighty-eight minutes. The second lasted thirty-six and a half minutes, and the deciding fall just took just eleven minutes. Thirty-seven years ago today, which would put it at nine. See, yes, nineteen eighty-one. Nick Bockwinkle is officially awarded the AWA World Heavyweight title. Bockwinkle, the number one contender to the AWA World title at the time, lost to Vern Gagne nine days prior in what was Gagne's retirement match. Bockwinkle would have a death grip on the championship 
holding it four times total for 948 of the next 1,009 days, including uninterrupted runs of 334 and 408 days. Of note, only two of the four reigns are recognized by WWE. Hulk Hogan and Jerry Lawler both won the AWA world title in 82, Hogan in April, Lawler in December. But both times the championship was held up and eventually reverted back to Bockwinkle. 29 years ago today would put it at 1989. Let's see. Yes. The movie Roadhouse is released in theaters. A film starring Patrick Swayze is a bouncer protecting a refurbished roadside bar in Missouri from a corrupt businessman as former NWA world champion Terry Funk in a small role. The film was a modest success in the box office, though critics largely hated it. 38% rating based on 32 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and was nominated for five Razzies. Since its initial, initial release, it's garnered a huge cult following thanks to home video and reruns on cable. It even spawned an off-Broadway musical version in late 2003 called and called Boathouse, the stage version of the cinema classic that starred Patrick Swayze, except this one stars Tamar from the 80s cult classic The Last Dragon wearing a blonde mullet wig. That's the name of it, folks. It also spawned a direct-to-video sequel in 2006. A remake of the original starring Fane MMA fighter and now current WWE superstar Ronda Rousey was in the works in 2015, but production was discontinued. 28 years ago today, which, which would put it at, I do believe, yes, 1990, NWA presented Capital Combat Return of RoboCop from the D.C. Armory in Washington, D.C. About 7,500 were in attendance with 160,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's up from 120,000 homes for Russell War 89, the May pay-per-view event the previous year. The event is noted for a promotional crossover appearance by RoboCop, who rescued Sting from a small cage during the show's main event. The crossover was to promote the soon-to-be-released RoboCop 2. Here are the matches that took place at this NWA event. The Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, and Norman the Lunatic defeated Kevin Sullivan, Cactus Jack, and Bam Bam Bigelow. Mark Callis, who of course we now know as The Undertaker, defeated Johnny Ace, who of course we now know as John Laurinaitis. The Samoan SWAT team, Fatu and the Samoan Savage, defeated Tommy Rich and Mike Rotunda. Paul Ellering defeated Teddy Long in a hair versus hair match. The Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane, defeated Brian Pillman and Tom Zink to win the NWA United States Tag Team titles. The Rock and Roll Express, Morton and Gibson, defeated the Freebirds, Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, in a corporal punishment strap match. Doom defeated the Steiner Brothers to win the NWA World Tag Team titles. Let's see here. And Lex Luger defeated Ric Flair by DQ in a steel cage match for the NWA World Heavyweight title. 27 years ago today, 1991, WCW presented Super Brawl in the Bayfront Arena in St. Petersburg, Florida. About 6,000 were in attendance with 150,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's down from 160,000 homes for Capital Combat, the May 1990 pay-per-view. In a pre-show dark match, the Mighty Thor defeated El Cubano. The fabulous Freebirds, Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes, defeated the Young Pistols, Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers, to win the vacant WCW United States Tag Team titles. Dan Spivey defeated Ricky Morton. Nikita Koloff defeated Tommy Rich. Dustin Rhodes defeated Terrence Taylor. Big Josh defeated Black Bart. Oz, who of course we now know as Kevin Nash, defeated Tim Parker in just 40 seconds. Barry Wyndham defeated Flying Brian in a taped fist match. Ellie Gante defeated Sid Vicious in a stretcher match. In a humorous bit of trivia, the match lasted all of two minutes and the stretcher was never used. Gigante put Sid in a claw hold, and Sid just walked away while Kevin Sullivan and One Man Gang attacked Gigante. This was Sid's final bout in this run with WCW. He was already WWF bound. He would debut that summer at Sid Justice. Also, Ron Simmons defeated Butch Reed in a steel cage. The Steiner Brothers defeated Lex Luger and Sting. They retained WCW World Tag Team titles. Bobby Eaton defeated Arn Anderson to win the WCW TV title. And Rick Flair defeated Tatsumi Fujinami to unify the WCW and NWA World Heavyweight titles. 
23 years ago today, put it at uh, 1995, in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, Razor Ramon defeated Jeff Jarrett in a ladder match to win the Intercontinental title. 22 years... Let me just one second here. Let me take a look at this. Yes. 22 years ago today, 1996, WCW presented Slamboree from the Riverside Complex in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 7,791 were in attendance with 155,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's up from 110,000 homes for the 95 event. The show's hook was the Lord of the Ring Lethal Lottery, which featured wrestlers randomly paired together to compete in tag team matches. Teams that won two matches advanced to a battle royal for the Lord of the Ring title and a ring, and also a WCW World Heavyweight title match. To sound familiar, this was the concept of Battle Bowl used by WCW from 91 to 93. The Lord of the Ring first round, Booker T and Road Warrior Animal, and the team of Lex Luger and Road Warrior Hawk fought to a double countout. The Public Enemy defeated Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan. Rick Steiner and the Booty Man defeated Scott Steiner and Sergeant Craig Pittman. Jim Duggan and VK Wall Street defeated the Blue Bloods, Lord Stephen Regal and Squire David Taylor. Dick Slater and Earl Robert Eaton defeated Alex Wright and Disco Inferno. DDP and the Barbarian defeated Hugh Morris and Ming. Fire and Ice, Ice Train and Scott Norton, defeated Big Bubba and Stevie Ray. As the other match in their bracket went to a double count, Fire and Ice received a bye into the Battle Royal. And also the team of Randy Savage and Ric Flair defeated Arn Anderson and Eddie Guerrero. The Lord of the Rings semifinals, Dick Slater and Earl Robert Eaton defeated Jim Duggan and E.K. Wall Street. The Public Enemy defeated Randy Savage and Ric Flair by countout, and DDP and the Barbarian defeated Rick Steiner and the Booty Man. The Lord of the Ring final, DDP defeated Dick Slater, Earl Robert Eaton, Ice Train, Johnny Grunge, Rocco Rock, Scott Morton, and the Barbarian in a battle royal to win the Lord of the Ring tournament in a future WCW World Heavyweight title match. Of note, while Page got the ring in bragging rights, he never got his world title match. Replay footage shows the Barbarian eliminating Page when one of Page's feet hit the floor. Either foot hitting the floor constituted an elimination. Non-tournament bouts in order of occurrence. Dean Malenko defeated Brian Armstrong to retain the Cruiserweight title. Conan defeated Jushin Thunder Liger to retain the United States title. And the Giant defeated Sting to retain the World Heavyweight, WWE World Heavyweight title. Seven, uh, 16 years ago today, excuse me, uh, let me see here, uh, uh, that would be 2002, WWE presented Judgment Day from the Gaylord Entertainment Center in Nashville, Tennessee. 14,521 were in attendance with 373,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's down from 405,000 homes for the 01 event. This was the first pay-per-view <clears throat> following the name change from WWF to WWE. Some pro promotional material retained the old WWF name and logo. In a Sunday Night Heat pre-show match, William Regal defeated D'Lo Brown <clears throat> for the European title. Eddie Guerrero defeated RVD to retain the Intercontinental title. Chris Stratus defeated Stacey Keebler to retain the women's title. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman defeated the Hardy Boys. Steve Austin defeated the Big Show and Ric Flair in a handicap match. Edge defeated Kurt Angle in a hair versus hair match. Triple H defeated Chris Jericho in a Hell in a Cell match. <clears throat> Rikishi and Rico defeated Billy and Chuck to win the WWE Tag Team titles, and The Undertaker defeated Hollywood Hulk Hogan to win the undisputed title. Dating back to WrestleMania 18, this was the third world title change in as many months. Fourteen years ago today, we put it at 2004, at an NWA TNA pay-per-view in Nashville, Ron Killings defeated AJ Styles, Chris Harris, and Raven in a deadly draw match to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. Twelve years ago today, put at 2006, WWE Films released its first theatrical film, See No Evil. The film, starring Glenn Jacobs, of course you know as Kane, as serial killer Jacob Goodnight, and has a penchant for keeping his victims' eyes, <clears throat> turns a profit of $15 million at the box office with an $8 million budget. 
Despite overwhelmingly negative reviews, there's an 8% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 59 reviews. The movie performs well when it's released on DVD later that year, making $45 million in about two months. A sequel, a, excuse me, a sequel was released direct to video in 2013. Five years ago today, two, uh, speaking of which, 2013, WWE presented Extreme Rules from the Scott Trade Center in St. Louis, Missouri. 17,529 were in attendance with 228,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That, that, that's down from 263,000 homes for the 2012 event. Here are the matches that took place here. In a pre-show match, The Miz defeated Cody Rhodes. The actual matches here are as follows. Chris Jericho defeated Fandango. Dean Ambrose defeated Kofi Kingston to win the United States title. Ambrose would go on to hold the championship for the next 351 days, the longest U.S. title reign in WWE history. Sheamus defeated Mark Henry in a strap match. Alberto Del Rio defeated Jack Swagger in an I-quit match to become the number one contender for the world heavyweight title. The Shield, Rollins and Reigns, defeated Team Hell No, Kane and Daniel Bryan, in a Texas Tornado Rules match to win the WWE Tag Team Championship. Randy Orton defeated The Big Show in, a, in an Extreme Rules match. John Cena and Ryback fall to a no contest in a last man standing match for the WWE title. And Brock Lesnar defeated Triple H in a steel cage match. Excuse me for just one second here, There, folks. Three years ago today, 2015, <clears throat> pardon me, Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports that the coming episode of Impact Wrestling was preempted by Destination America. The reason was because ratings concerns with Memorial Day weekend looming and its place would be an edited version of the previous year's anniversary. The regularly scheduled episode aired in international markets but will never air in the United States. Three years ago today, 2015, WWE announced in a press release that Matt Bloom and Sarah Amato have been promoted head coach and assistant head coach, respectively, of the WWE Performance Center. Bloom, best known as Prince Albert in the States, and more recently as Giant Bernard in Tenzai, was a color commentator for NXT and an assistant coach before being named interim head coach following the resignation of Bill DeMott. Amado, also best known as Sarah Del Rey, had a hand in rebuilding the NXT and by extension WWE women's division. The press release had also announced that Amado would also work with the main roster as a producer and an agent. Today would have been, let's see, mm, yes, the 72nd birthday of Andre Rene Rusimov who is best known to millions of fans all around the world as the legendary Andre the Giant. Here is some history on Andre himself. Born to Bulgarian and Polish parents in Grenoble, France on May 19, 1946, Andre experienced symptoms of gigantism very early. At age 12, he was 6 foot 3, 240 pounds, so large he couldn't fit on the school bus. He was driven to school by neighbor and future Nobel Prize winner Samuel Beckett. Beckett brought, bought some land in the early 1950s and built a cottage for himself, assuming with the help of Andre's father, Boris. Andre himself was a good student, but he felt a high school education wasn't necessary for a farm laborer, so he dropped out after the eighth grade. Though he did farm labor, woodworking, and helped manufacture engines for hay balers, it wasn't good enough for Andre. At age 17, Andre moved to Paris and was taught to art professional wrestling. Billed as Giant Ferrer, he moonlighted as a wrestler while working as a mover to pay living expenses. He worked Paris and the surrounding areas before Canadian wrestler promoter Frank Ballas found Andre in 1966. He would be his business manager and advisor and would travel the world, making a name for himself in Europe, Australia, Africa, and Asia. It was while he was in Japan that it was discovered Andre was suffering from acromegaly. That's how I pronounce that. A disorder where the anterior pituitary gland produces excessive growth hormone, causing severe disfigurement. The condition is often not diagnosed in its early stages. Rusimov was a regular in Montreal, <clears throat> selling out the Montreal Forum regularly, but the novelty wore off as a number of credible opponents dwindled. He occasionally wrestled for the AWA as a special attraction, 
and under the advice of WWF founder Vince McMahon Sr., suggested Andre would be a worldwide special attraction and book him as an immovable monster. He would be available to any organization anywhere, but only for a guaranteed fee. Andre debuted for the WWF in 1973 and quickly became one of the most beloved babyfaces in the sport. Though he was billed as undefeated prior to his WrestleMania three match with Hulk Hogan, Andre had taken losses, though there were few and far between. He was beaten by El Kanek in 1984, submitted by Antonio Inoki in 1986, and went to one-hour draws with Harley Race and Nick Bockwinkel in world title belts. Andre also had a boxer versus wrestler win over Chuck Webner, who was the inspiration of the Rocky film series, in 1976. Andre's biggest feuds came against Hulk Hogan, which spanned two continents, also Killer Khan, which culminated in a stretcher match in November 1981, and Big John Studd, which culminated in a $15,000 body slam match at the inaugural WrestleMania. Though Andre won the match, he never got his reward as he had the back sewn to him as he was thrown to cash to the fans. The next WrestleMania, he won a 20-man battle royal featuring WWF wrestlers and, and top stars from the NFL. Around the time of Andre's feud with King Kong Bundy, he would score the part of Fezzik in the film The Princess Bride. Andre himself said it was his favorite movie role. It was also around that time his acromeliality was taking a toll on his physical health. Upon his return from filming, Andre wore a mask and wrestled briefly as Giant Machine as part of the Machines stable. Though Bobby Heenan, Studd, and Bundy tried to prove Andre the Giant and Giant Machine were one and the same, they could not. And the indefinitely suspended Andre, he was suspended for no showing a tag team match with Studd and Bundy, this was done to cover his absence for filming The Princess Bride, was reinstated. Amazingly, it would be Heenan that managed Andre the Giant for the biggest feat of his career, and that would be, of course, against Hulk Hogan. It began over jealousy that Andre received a smaller trophy for never being pinned or made this man in the WWF ring, while Hogan received a larger trophy for his three-year run as WWF champion. Andre, at the behest of Heenan, challenged Hogan to a WWF title match and proceeded to rip Hogan's T-shirt and crucifix. Andre also ripped into Hogan's skin a bit as a fingernail scratch caused Hogan to bleed. Though Andre gained a psychological advantage by eliminating Hogan in a battle royal just weeks before WrestleMania three, a battle royal that was won by Hercules, it was Hogan who had body slammed the giant en route to Andre's first pinfall loss in the WWF ring. Famously, the 7'4", 520-pound Andre, though there is some dispute to this height and weight for that matter, wore a back brace covered by his wrestling singlet. It wouldn't be the first time Hogan slammed Andre. Andre was slammed by a then-heel Hogan twice in the summer of 1980. Harley Race, El Bruno San Martino, and Stan Hansen all also slammed the giant at one point. The Andre Hogan feed would continue into the following year. On the first episode of the main event in February 1988, Andre defeated Hogan with the help of some shady referee to win his first and only WWF title, which Andre almost immediately sold to Ted DiBiase. That title change was made null and void, and the title was made vacant until WrestleMania IV. Though both Hogan and Andre eliminated each other with a double DQ, they both had a say in the final match, as Randy Savage, with the help from Hogan, went on to defeat DiBiase to win the WWF title. The feud came to an end when Hogan and Savage, known as the Mega Powers, defeated Andre and DiBiase, known as the Mega Bucks. Andre was defeated with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Jake the Snake Roberts, Big John Studd, and the Ultimate Warrior throughout late 1988 and most of 1989. Late in the year, Andre, along with Haku, known as the Colossal Connection, won the WWF Tag Team titles from Demolition. The two would hold the titles from mid-December to WrestleMania VI in April of 1990. Post-match, Heenan berated Andre, but responded with a huge slap in the face. With his health declining, Andre's appearances became more and more sporadic until SummerSlam 1991, which was his final WWF TV appearance. His last appearance came at a house show in his hometown of Paris, France in October. Andre's last TV appearance came for WCW in a brief interview in September 92 at Clash of the Champions 20. Andre's final in-ring appearances were from Mexico's Universal Wrestling Association in April of May of 92, and also for All Japan Pro Wrestling in late 1992. On the night of January 27, 1993, Rusev sadly died in his sleep of congestive heart failure in his hotel room in Paris. He was 46 years old. Making the death more tragic, Rusev was in Paris to attend the funeral of his father. 
His father, Boris, died just nine days before. Ruzumov's body was cremated per his wishes and his ashes were scattered on his ranch in Ellerbee, North Carolina. At the time of his death, he was survived by one daughter, Robin. Ruzumov has been called by those around him among the most gentle and generous people they've known. One story said Arnold Schwarzenegger tried to pay for a meal, but Andre insisted so much that he carried him out of the restaurant and put him on top of his car. He was also the unofficial world's greatest drunk. Legend has that he consumed over 100 sitting on multiple occasions. This has been corroborated by multiple wrestlers, including Mike Graham, Dusty Rhodes, and the fabulous Moolah. He left the lasting legacy after his death in March 1993. The WWF established his own Hall of Fame with its own Hall of Fame with Andre the Giant as his first member. He served as the inspiration for the the Obey for the for the Obey brand and the 1998 movie My Giant, written by Billy Crystal. A biographical video was released by WWE in 2005 based on his life. A reissue of the 1985 video, he said. A graphic novel, Andre the Giant, The Life and the Legend, was released in 2015. A movie based on the second graphic novel, Andre the Giant, Closer to Heaven, is in the works. Andre's daughter, Robin, is a consultant on the film. In recent years, WWE has added a 30-man Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Cesaro, The Big Show, Baron Corbin, and Mojo Rawley have been the matches for winners. Andre is also a charter member of the Western Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame class in 96, the Professional Western Hall of Fame class in 02, and the Stampede Wrestling Hall of Fame. He was also personally inducted by Pro Wrestling Illustrated with the Editor's Award in 1993 and listed as the third greatest wrestler of the PWI years in 2003. So I said today, happy, Happy 72nd birthday to, of course, the one and the only Andre the Giant, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> so a whole lot there in our wrestling history here, folks, including the infamous curtain call that happened on this date as well. So very interesting indeed, and we'll, get, we'll talk some more about that here coming up here this week. 1724-444-7444, call ID 141-364-POUND. This is episode 106 of WWS Power Hour. This is Saturday, May 19th. 2018. Mr. W7US Chad Hinchall on the line here with you as of course we're flying a little bit solo here today of course uh, the ice manager DJ Ramo is not able to be with us here today due to a conflict uh, but the rest of our panel with you have to handle or taking care of other things as well so we will so we are we are, we are very proud to have, take care of this with no problem <clears throat> so like I said also of course this Let's now bring you, of course, what went down here all of our, on all of our shows here this week in the radio network. Of course, uh, <clears throat> on, uh, on uh, WWS Raw Radio, of course, uh, <clears throat> more and more, of course, talk uh, coming in, of course, with money in the bank, kind of looming, looming in on the horizon. Also, of course, our ratings for the main event, our predictions for the uh, ratings or whether we hit the main event is going to be for this past Monday night's Raw, and also, of course, for the entire show, we also brought to our attention as well. More talk about Raw Radio, of course, tomorrow night during our promotion. WWS Wrestling Revisited, of course, took place here. Uh, and I do believe I think JD did inform us about what that on what that on that talk what that talk was about. Uh, and forgive me if I forgot what it was exactly, but Wrestling Revisited, of course, another great show this past week. Also, ladies and gentlemen, WWS Revolution this past Tuesday night, as we did go into good detail about wrestling news and views and history and birthdays, we also gave a real good talk, including everybody gave their thoughts and opinions on what took place on Monday Night Raw this past Monday night, uh, especially, you know, of course, as you know, the Iceman had his, his infamous icebreaker moment here, folks. Um, so we had a lot of great moments here taken care of here. We also had, we also had, of course, a... Good round of Would You Rather this past Tuesday. So it was a great show indeed. Of course, our live video feed was from WWS Dynasty. So definitely be sure to check, to go back and check out that match from this past Tuesday evening right here, of course, Revolution. Of course, the first episode after, of course, celebrating 500 episodes of Revolution. Of course, 501 was this past Tuesday night. Uh, <clears throat> this past Wednesday night, of course, WWS Outside the Ropes. As we did bring you, of course, some of the latest uh, 
We did bring you, of course, some of the latest uh, uh, pop culture news, of course. We, JD did, of course, get, did get a few sports stories in the box office report in. We also brought you two or three uh, pop culture and wrestling stories here, uh, courtesy of our friends at 411 Mania. Uh, and also we did like a round of pop culture Jeopardy as well. Uh, JD and John did a terrific job with that here, folks. So uh, go back and listen to that. More, more about this coming week's episode, of course, more promo tomorrow night. Wrestling debate, of course, there was a lot of big-time discussion and debate um, about uh, several things going on, including, of course, uh, outcomes here. Of course, it has, has happened here recently on, uh, of course, Raw and SmackDown here, indeed. Uh, you know, what WWE's continue to try to do to try to uh, earn more fan, fan base. Big time talk on wrestling debate this past Wednesday night, so be sure to check that out here as well. Uh, this past Wednesday night on Revolution, of course, 502 was a live video feed from AWA US. We also, of course, uh, had our wrestling news and views and history and birthdays. Of course, we did not leave our talk about SmackDown Live out. Uh, we had a big time discussion about that. We also, of course, uh, <clears throat> we also had a good, uh, we also had a good round of uh, of uh, Jeopardy that also included kind of a mixture of wrestling and pop culture as well. Uh, all in all, it was a great, uh, great show, that, great, great uh, show on Revolution this past Wednesday night. Be sure to check that out. Uh, this past Thursday night here, of course, we had our second installment in W.O. Wolfpack. Our wrestling news and views and history and birthdays here, of course, was uh, of course, a big time discussion here indeed. Uh, we also had um, uh, we also had another big time round of uh, of uh, wrestling of uh, wrestling Jeopardy as well. Had some fun moments here indeed. Of course, we did hear from J- from JD John, also Fonzie and Ann here as well. So NWO Wolfpack this. It was very good this past week. Of course, our live video feed for Wolfpack was on the Facebook wrestling community. So be sure to check that out here as well. Last night's edition of Revolution, of course, our wrestling news and views and history and birthdays. Some, some big, some interesting talk there indeed did take place. Uh, we also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, did have, as we promised here, as you know, last Friday night on the 500th episode of Revolution, it was a challenge made for Fonzie's new NXT US North American Championship. A match was, a challenge was made by the Empress Anne-Marie Rickenbach. That match did take place last night here, folks, but we are we had to pause. We were half, we were halfway through that match when uh, we did receive, I did receive word from JD during the show that Fonzie did become a little bit ill. Uh, I did confirm that from Fonzie himself. Uh, last night before Revolution went off the air, and, and it was we were getting close to the midnight hour last night, so we just decided to pause pause the match. And of course, the score right now in our NXT title match, Ann and Fonzie are not too far away from one another here, folks. Um, let's see, we Ann is sitting right now with 1,675 points, and uh, <clears throat> and Fonzie is sitting with 1,400. So. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, Ann is leading this match by 275 points in this match. Like I said, for the NXT US North American belt, the, the belt here is in my possession, and it will, of course, go to the winner here as we decided to have the match this coming Wednesday night on Revolution. So that will be part of our lineup here after we talk about SmackDown. <clears throat> this coming Wednesday night, we will definitely have that NXT US North American Championship match. So, folks, there you have it there. Uh, with uh, what took place here during all of our during all of our shows, let's bring you, of course, a couple of uh, bring you a couple of quick uh, wrestling news stories here as we get ready to close out the night on episode 106 of Power Hour. Be sure, of course, to check, listen to our promo uh, tomorrow night there as well if you'd like to listen in on uh, on anything and everything we talk about here. Of course, and what we have what we have in store for all of our shows this coming week. Plus, also, of course. Um, um, plus also wrestling history for tomorrow as well as some other wrestling uh, news bites courtesy of course of our friends right here at 411 Mania of course and we have and we have like I said uh, we're going to bring you like I said three 
going to bring you like three or four, uh, three rest. Bring you like uh, see, four different, uh, uh, four different wrestling stories here tonight before we close out the, before we close out the show. Of course, like I said, this is courtesy of our friends at 411 Mania. We do thank them for allowing us here in the WWS Radio Network to read their stories on all of our shows here each and every night during the week, including Revolution, Wolfpack, Outside the Ropes, <clears throat> Raw Radio, and, of course, Power Hour and more. Uh, Joseph Lee brings a story here today. James Ellsworth on if his intergender championship would work in WWE. In an interview with The Roman Show via Wrestling Inc., James Ellsworth, Ellsworth spoke about his intergender championship and if such a belt would work on WWE TV. Here are some highlights. On intergender matches in WWE, Ellsworth says, I just did one back in November. Becky Lynch and I had the first intergender match in a decade in WWE at WrestleMania with Triple H stepping in with Ronda Rousey. But really, Triple H should be scared, the scared gender in that situation, so it's coming back a little bit. On his intergender title, Ellsworth says, when I left WWE, the last thing I did was wrestle Becky Lynch on television. I fell a little short, and from that moment, I was like, you know what, I'm going to create an intergender title I'm going to defeat women all over the world and get my retribution. This sounds like something a la, a la um, Andy Kaufman, what happened back in the day here with him and Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler. On the title of work in WWE, Ellsworth says, I don't think they would do it on television, but maybe one day they have been breaking boundaries with women's wrestling. In general, maybe one day we'll have a new gender title on WWE television. On his WWE run, he says, it's hard to imagine that everything that happened, happened. Being AJ Styles three times, going to WrestleMania, and being a part of the Royal Rumble, all the cool things I did, I never imagined it, honestly. So, so there you have it there, folks. Let's see here. Another story right here. Joseph Lee brings us this story today once again. Cody Rhodes says Triple H congratulated him on his Ring of Honor title win. During an interview with Edge and Christian for the EC Pod of Awesomeness via SC Scoops, Cody Rhodes revealed that Triple H congratulated him after he won the ROH world title. He said, the coolest thing in the world is to have text messages from people in our industry who who normally don't text you. Somebody like Triple H telling me, congrats for winning the ROH world title. It makes me what we do real. My dad always told me that was the only real thing we do is the world title. So getting a nod like that from, from, from Triple H, I mean, that's, that's, very, that's, that's big time here. Another round, sorry right here, Joseph Lee's on fire here tonight here, folks. <clears throat> um, with another story here today. Big Show reveals the recent health issues that has, has, has had him in constant agony. In an interview with the Steve Austin Show via WrestleZone, the Big Show spoke about his recent health issues and how at one point he was in in what was described as constant agony. Here are some highlights. On his recent health struggles, the Big Show says, I didn't have my hip replaced. I had surgery done called resurfacing, which I kept 98% of my bone. If I showed you the picture of what my femur bone looked like, what the ball socket looked like, man, it had holes in it. It looked like a bowling ball. I showed it to Undertaker, and he said it looked like a jack-o'-lantern. There were just holes from where I had worn the bone down so bad. It hurt for three and a half years, and then I started losing range of motion. I noticed, I noticed for me in the ring, you know, when a guy's working his strides are long, you know when he is hitting the ropes or he is shooting somebody in the corner. But I noticed for me that my steps were just really short because I couldn't open my stride up anymore because the pelvis had grown over the bone. There was no range of motion, and the joint was chewed up. There wasn't any cartilage left. I was in constant agony. But you know how we are. Stuff that could put a, put a guy in, in, in the hospital, you would not have a cup of coffee and a couple of spine, and 
would go to work. When people look at it and say, how could you even walk like that? I had to go to work. I don't know. It's just my number matter, I guess. On setbacks and forcing new surgery, the big show says this. I had a little complication after surgery, which happens sometimes when you put metal in the body. That was a real tough kind of time. It added five months longer to my return. I got a surgical infection from it. I learned more about infections than I ever wanted to know. Sometimes you have major surgeries like that, and there's a lot of things that can act up. So I had to go in and be opened up again. Did a real good job of cleaning the joint the best they can. I was on an IV drip all through Christmas for several weeks, an IV line that went from my arm and into my heart because the medicine was so strong, it'll burn your veins out. I didn't want to ask him what it did to my heart if it burned my veins out. I went through that for several weeks, which was a real pain in the butt because you can't work out. I got this tube hanging out of my arm, which I had to hook up each day. I had to do a bag every eight hours, and it took about two hours and 45 minutes to drain the bag. I would get yard time in the afternoon. I had about four hours to go to the store, get out of the house, or go to the gym. On having a dangerous heart rate, the big show said, they told me not to work out. You know how important my fitness and I have was. And I made so many changes. I was like, they don't know. So I went to work out. I can do right-handed dumbbell curls or something. So like a dummy, I'm in there a couple of days after getting this pick pick line put in, and I got a 20-pound dumbbell in my right hand thing, and I just do a couple dumbbell reps. I've got an Apple Watch for Christmas that does that does your heart rate. Probably a darn good thing. I had I had it. I'm sitting there doing these one-arm dumbbell curls, and all of a sudden my heart rate is really kicking. I look down, my Apple Watch is hopping up and down on my wrist because my heart rate is up to 200 BPM. Apparently, when you increase your blood pressure and you have a line in the vein, that vein can elevate your heart rate because you have an obstruction in your vein. When they say don't work out, they mean it. After scaring ever scaring ever loving crap out of myself, I chilled out. A couple more stories that we'll bring in here, folks, right fast. WWE news coming up here, of course, from Joseph Lee today. The Revival get an NXT tag title shot tonight. Plus, Rob Schamberger debuts Kyrie Zayn art, and Mustafa Ali shows off a nasty cut. The Revival will take on the Undisputed Era's Kyle Riley and Roderick Strong for the NXT tag team titles at a live event tonight in San Antonio, Texas. Of course, there's right now about about the matter here. You can see O'Reilly and Strong's comments right here. It's on this page. If you will go to this and read this, Mustafa Ali suffered a cut on his head during the European tour that required nine stitches. Ooh, that is a nasty one. And he says at 4:25 p.m. this afternoon, he says at Mustafa Ali WWE on his Twitter page, leaving Paris with a memento. Yes, indeed. WWE artist Rob Schamberger revealed new artwork of Kari Zane. His uh, Twitter handle, at Rob Schamberger, S-C-H-A-M-B-E-R-G-E-R. My new painting of the pirate princess, at Kari Zane, WWE, was made at 2.28 p.m. yesterday afternoon. So it's a great-looking painting there of, of, uh, of of course, the young lady who won the main young classic. So... So definitely check that out here, folks. Really uh, big time here, indeed. And the Iceman, Jerry Geronimo, did give me an update on the, on a story here uh, earlier today, and I'd like to read this here. Of course, he's, like I said, Joseph Lee brings this story here tonight. Big Cass reportedly has suffered an injury in Amsterdam. Update here. Wrestling Inc. reports that Big Cass is not actually injured but has been limping to the back after every match he has been in he's had this week on the European tour. This is so he can sell the, the beating he took from Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. The original story was no DQ report that Big Cass reportedly suffered an injury during a match in Amsterdam. He was tagging with The Miz against Daniel Bryan and Ty Dillinger. At the beginning of the match, it appeared as though Cass injured his left knee. He was set to look legit super upset and pissed off. The referee took it backstage after the match to do it through the, through the side entrance, but not up the ramp. At Xavier Hacking, uh, his handle at XJ Hacking, H-A-C-K-I-N-G, 
at SC Scoops, Big Cass injured at WWE Live Amsterdam number one, said at 3.41 p.m. today. So apparently this is, this is a storyline here, so this is not actually, it does not seem to be real indeed. So, 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 there, so there you go right here, folks. Um, and folks, they're pretty much how you, there, there you have it there on some of the latest updates here, of course, making the wrestling scene here, courtesy of our friends at 411 Mania. On that note here, folks, we do thank you here for listening in here uh, this, e- this evening for episode 106 of Power Hour. Sorry for a little bit of the delay. Of course, I also had a couple of other endeavors to take care of, but I since did get, I, we did get this taken care of here today, as promised, so that we can go on right ahead and uh, <clears throat> get, it, get, it, get it taken care of. Uh, folks, be sure to join us, like I said, this coming week here for all of our shows in the radio network. We'll have, our, of course, our weekly promotion tomorrow night around 10 o'clock Eastern time, giving you, letting you know that what will take place, of course, including, of course, the continuation of the NXT U.S. North American Championship match, pitting Fonzie versus Ann. Uh, it will be the same board as before. All the same, some of the same questions may still be used, but uh, just to let you know, that will take place here this coming week. On that note here, folks, we do thank you here for listening here tonight for episode 106 of Power Hour. And we'll talk at you here, like I said, coming up here tomorrow evening during our promo and, of course, this coming week here in the radio network. This is episode 106 of Power Hour. The promotion is a broadcast of the WWS radio network right here on TalkShoe.com where we are three years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. Folks, take care of yourselves and each other. We will see you in the ring. And as always, here in the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com. God bless everyone. And they also, ladies and gentlemen, per, of course, what we mentioned to you earlier, late last night on Revolution, our thoughts and prayers are still going out to the families, and friends and families of the people, of course, affected by the school shooting in Texas yesterday, as well as the sudden plane crash in Cuba. Uh, let's keep everyone there in our thoughts and prayers, please. Take care of yourselves and each other, and God bless everyone from all of us here at the WWS Radio Network. Have a great evening, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.